0: Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year. Happy New Year.
0: It is freezing.
1: Yo, if anyone's ever... Like, how is it cold in Hong Kong? It's cold.
0: It's cold. We don't have indoor heating, usually. Like, we don't have built-in central heating.
1: Correct. No built-in central heating. And
0: our buildings are not really built to retain heat because it's only ever genuinely cold for about 10 days a year, if that. But today is proper cold it is nine degrees celsius which is what like 40 fahrenheit i
1: have no idea i've never had to learn the fahrenheit imperial system
0: this is making it up co-hosted by myself sharice poon and eugene can we come together on a weekly basis to talk about things that we are interested in have questions about want to get each other's thoughts on Making It Up is produced by Make It, which is original storytelling at its purest, through captivating audio, engaging words, and beautiful visuals.
1: Making It Up is an exercise in analyzing and dissecting important movements in creative culture. It's an opportunity to sound off on each other and make sense of the complex, intertwined world we live in.
0: We try to come to some sort of conclusion in order to be helpful to you, our listeners, but really we are working through things and we appreciate you working through them with us.
1: If you like what you hear and you want to help us keep going, you can support us on patreon.com slash
0: Let's get into it.
1: Curious. Share with me your editing process for this podcast and I'll share with you mine and keep it under like 45 seconds.
0: Use Adobe Audition. I put our two separate tracks in. I listen from the beginning at 1x speed and then I use keyboard shortcuts to cut everything so that it's really fast. But I do have to listen to everything at 1x speed. And it takes me about 1.5 times the length of the audio.
1: Really? Mm Mm-hmm. I, similar, similar to Sharice, but I, I do it a little bit faster.
0: You listen at more than one time speed. Probably
1: two, over two at least.
0: I don't think you get it correct that way. Just coming out on air to criticize Eugene's editing technique.
1: Yeah, maybe I missed some things. It's fine. But at the same time, there are people certain edits- People don't seem to
0: notice that the, two different people edit our podcast. There are certain edits so.
1: that Ch- Therese doesn't make that I would have made. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like false stops. I'm really big on false stops. So if you're not familiar with a false stop is-
0: I don't cut- Okay, fine. Explain what a false stop so is. So
1: a false stop would be you starting an idea and then stopping halfway to restart it because you've collected your thoughts. So it'd don't be like- I do cut false stops oh. because
0: often- when you restart, it doesn't sound natural when you cut the false stop. Really? That's my... I think we've
1: gotten better at recognizing false sense. stops so that when you do restart...
0: You if, start more naturally. Yes. Yeah. It's actually interesting because you, you can compare that's
1: probably a, true. a false start to like a car in a way. Like you start up oh, yeah. and you almost have to stop and, and wait for the momentum to subside before you start again. Anyways, I was, I'm only bringing this up because Jeremy in our Discord was interested in this process.
0: Well, it's because I sent a meme gently roasting ourselves, and then some very nice Macon members said that we don't give ourselves enough credit, which was extremely generous, guys. And then both Eugene and I sent screenshots of our audition files to demonstrate how much editing we do. But I mean, the content is there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For the most part,
0: we just cut for fluency and time. Nobody needs to hear the extended, unedited footage of this podcast.
1: That I mean, I'm sure when we re listen to our old stuff, some things could have been tighter. Our delivery could have been better. But yeah, it's really just about learning. It's, It's like a repetition, it's like a muscle you just train up. All right. I feel like I need to perform today. You've except on...
0: except that you're like on four hours of sleep and five cups of coffee. is a bad yeah. sign when the number of cups of coffee you've had exceed hours of sleep. All right. right, so we're the same right now. That should be like a marker of we can't record today if All you've right. had more coffee than hours of sleep.
1: All right. Let's jump into you it. You first
0: or me. You go. You got to maintain your energy.
1: All right. The CIA gets a rebrand and hilarity ensues. So, the CIA, the American Government Agency, and it was...
0: What does it stand for?
1: The Central Investigative... Oh, shoot. I don't know.
0: <laughs> what is CIA? Central Intelligence Agency. Yeah, that's what it is. Sorry, dude.
1: Yeah. Anyways, the CIA. And yes. what's the difference between the CIA and the FBI? Oh, I don't know. So, the CIA is something that has to pertain with external affairs pertaining to the United States, and the FBI is like internal.
0: Got you. Yeah. yeah. Probably should have already known that.
1: So anyways, the CIA recently released a new rebranding in the new year. Actually, when we were picking our topics, I had this somewhat at the top of my list, but Charisse wasn't that interested in it. It's only when I suggested some other topics she had greater disdain for.
0: I was not personally interested in talking about it, but I'm not upset that you picked it.
1: Anyways. I think it's pretty funny. It it is pretty comical. It's it's very meme worthy. There's, there's a lot of shit. That okay, came out you of gotta
0: it. at least like do some describing yes. here. So, even though this uh, is an I'm happy, audio, thing.
1: I'm happy. I'm in the presence of a graphic designer because she can probably fill in the gaps in terms of no oh defining things. Uh, but anyways, I haven't
0: tried to make anything trendy in at least a few years.
1: So. <laughs> So, to me, it's like, this whole thing feels like an amazing April Fool's joke. Like, if this was April (laughs) Fool's, it would feel like an April Fool's joke. If this was
0: April Fool's, that would give the CIA more reputation boost than this actual, like, legitimate rebranding. And interestingly
1: enough, after this whole thing released and all these people started, like, trying to dig around and find out who the designer was, like, they wouldn't reveal their identity.
0: I mean, I'm not, I feel whatever about that. Like the designer not being revealed, I don't really think that's super newsworthy to me. It could have been an in-house CIA designer. Potentially. It it doesn't have to be someone well-known. I
1: mean, honestly, I picture someone at a big agency who did this, who handed the keys over to a 23-year-old intern, let them loose, and now they're feeling the wrath of it.
0: And maybe the CIA had a lot of internal input, feedback. We all know as creative workers, what it's like to work with big companies. And I doubt the CIA is any different.
1: Yeah. So having said that, how do I describe it? It just feels very trendy, but maybe
0: six to 12
1: months behind. Let's
0: go for a objective description first.
1: Yes. Objectively speaking.
0: Okay. Objectively speaking, the letters C, I, and A are now in a bold white sans serif font that's kind of... Accidents, grotesque. So, like a little trendy. There's a name for it actually. Helvetica. It's, it's oh, GT it?
1: America Expanded.
0: Oh, that is very trendy, yeah. actually.
1: Oh, so, so I always find it interesting when designers are able to recall and, like, oh, like this name of this font is one I'm familiar with.
0: So, GT stands for Gorilla Type, which is the foundry. And we have a mutual friend who likes the typefaces from this foundry. Is it Mayland? It's Mayland.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: It yeah. just means whoever did the CIA design is. Okay, continue. Wait, let me finish my objective description. Yes. And then the emblem has repeated three times around the letter CIA, Central Intelligence Agency, also in like a white sans serif, bold, all caps font. And it's set against this circular background that is sort of Joy Division-esque.
1: Fractal lines?
0: Yeah, you could say that. It's basically just like geometric straight lines in sort of varying distances from each other. Mm-hmm. And people on the internet have compared it to many different things, like record album covers and...
1: Flyers for music events.
0: Yeah, like a rave, like an EDM concert.
1: Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing.
0: And they also did a website redesign, which I didn't know about until Eugene picked this subject. Because like, I just saw the logo on... Online and like being memed. I think the website is so funny because it's so like startup-esque. Okay.
1: Someone compared it to the Intercept, which is like this media site. Uh what I find, yeah, what I find interesting about it, it just it feels like a site that is the example for a template.
0: It's just not at all like what the CIA is in your mind. Yeah. There's just such disparity here. It literally looks like a startup that was made today.
1: Yeah. And it has this or, or very interesting, oh, there's a little motion here, but it also has this weird gradient, this effect on the, on the people's faces.
0: I have one more thing to say that I think is funny before we can get a little bit more real about this. On their Twitter account, they announced this redesign. Have you seen this? Yeah. Also with like a corresponding graphic and it says... New year, period. New look. In a sans serif (laughs) and serif
1: font. Yeah. It just feels like every cliche is represented, right?
0: It's like a parody
1: account,
0: essentially. Okay. Getting real. Eugene said, this is funny to both of us, but what is there to say?
1: So in our side conversation, Sharice mentioned that this doesn't make sense because why are you trying to appeal to these people or whatnot? Like... Why are you trying to modernize the look of this when I think the reality is that at, your, at this current point in time, well, first and foremost, one of the underlying things they wanted to solve was to make it a little bit more inclusive. I don't necessarily know if the design does, but the content that populates the website does suggest greater inclusion.
0: Okay. Okay. That's yeah, one way. I That's one. That. I'll accept that.
1: I do think that the CIA, I think all, probably most government organizations are at a place where there's definitely in competition for the best talent right so that's why I'm, that's why my argument for this is that any update is probably better than no update and what i do think and it's only signaling right you don't really know is that the fact someone was so open-minded to even let this out the door either they got sold really hard or they were like let's just do it
0: but to me this kind of screams more like a veneer on a the CIA rather than like an actual attempt to reach a more diverse employee pool. But I don't know, right? I did not really dive into their job descriptions and what kind of responsibilities, et cetera, that they're offering mm-hmm. here. So maybe there's also b- that to back it up. I guess I just feel, I don't know why I feel it's way, like, but I just feel like as a government entity, You don't need to do all of the like fancy marketing hoops that like a tech startup does. I I don't know. I just don't know if that's where the efforts should be going.
1: Well, can I ask you this? Do you think this is comedic because it falls in line with so many tropes and like, you know, so many things that have already been done and been kind of beat to death in terms of graphic design?
0: Well, I mean, yeah, that part of it is funny. uh, Let's say this let's say this
1: released and was unveiled 18 months ago. Would it have had the same effect?
0: I think I'm just of the opinion that, okay, yes, in terms of content, the CIA should still update things. And like a website should be good to use. That, you know, buttons should take you where they're meant to take you, and things should be easy to read. Like, I believe in that. But when it comes to logos and typefaces i have no expectation for the cia fbi any like i don't know Bureau of education yeah. transportation etc to need to put additional effort into that like yeah. i don't do you see what i'm saying here is like i don't really think like the cia needs a separate branding aesthetic than the fbi
1: got it like but they could look exactly the same graphically in- Really?
0: And I don't see that as being a problem.
1: I mean, if you, well, I I would agree on the basis if they share the same mission, right? But I think that ultimately I I don't see any harm in, in differentiation. But what I do think is the question that I was alluding to was that this whole update in itself has been has been overshadowed by the fact it's a meme now, right? Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is that totally. because government organizations work so slowly and there's so much bureaucracy, had this released two years ago when everything you see now is not a meme, maybe we would have been more open-minded yeah. because we would have been like, oh, maybe.
0: I'm, referencing,
1: I'm referencing this to that or that to that, right? I mean, mind you, yes, there are certain things that they, you know, the Joy Division, whatever, that those are far before this, Right. But, what I'm trying to say is that if if the the casual person or just most people are able to reference this and pin it to a moment in culture that's already happened, that's where you're having problems.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, it is impressive that their site structure. I have no idea what the previous CIA site looked like, but I do know what a lot of u s. government sites look like, and they are hard to use. Like, the, the immigration one's really hard is not where you want it to be. You get taken on really circular routes through things. So yes, I will say that the website redesign in terms of like information being where you expect it and being easy to use is very impressive for a government site. And that's really cool. And all government sites should at least be like that. But I think, again, like my point is that I don't, I am not convinced that the graphic design work is what is going to appeal to candidates that are making a decision whether they should apply to the cia and i think it's because it's like such a high level government group yeah they don't like that's not going to be the thing right that is a deciding factor to someone you know you were saying like oh they want to attract talent away from silicon valley like is that Is the branding really going to be the thing that tips the scales?
1: Well, as I I also said this before, I, I think it's about signaling. It's signaling that this is actually a modern organization within the government structures. It's less about, oh, is it the singular thing that's going to convince somebody? Most likely not. But just by virtue of it going down this particular, how do I say this? I think the fact that it went down this particular avenue itself is probably indicative. And I, I'm not saying I mean for or against, maybe. But you also I don't know if you remember this. The, the U.S. also had a space force, and that also got cut I down
0: mean, pretty, pretty Okay, hard. But that logo was a direct rip, rip of yeah. Star Trek. Yeah. So that was funny because it was a lazy effort. Mm-hmm. We cannot call the CIA lazy, at least. In this regard, they really did try. I mean, what are you going to do? I don't even know what I would do with that brief to redesign the CIA logo. Well, that's I think, a hard one. I think
1: there's certain things that exist that you would just need to be very strategic. Like you would have to have a very strong strategic element to this, and like talk to them and understand because the CIA, as you see it right now, there's just there's no there's no reference through the logo itself the typeface to suggest any sort of historical context which i think is actually quite quite important well yeah just like if you because if you look at it and you strip everything away that cia thing right now it's just like it's just a bunch of words right yeah right versus in the past they used to have like emblems for better or worse like that's always been the interesting thing about government organizations like these emblems maybe
0: with- they want to distract you from the fact that you're working for the government yeah. Sorry, showing bias there. Um, I'm on their careers page, and I give special shout-out to their copywriter. Oh, actually, I take that back, Because it's pretty compelling.
1: Yeah. There actually is a... So I oh, take,
0: they still have the seal.
1: Yeah, there still is a seal. I did a little bit of searching around.
0: Interesting. So the seal is for official things, and Maybe. the millennial trendy one is for social media?
1: Maybe. What we do stop. Guess
0: someone at the top said we're not putting the Joy Division one on our envelopes.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, without getting overly political, that's all I have to say.
0: I I was not going to say any more political things. I will say that at least judging by this quick scan I've done of their copy. Regarding working at the CIA, they are making a more concrete effort than just redesigning their logo. Yeah.
1: I think, in general, everything that they need to do or have done is pretty representative of where the demographics of the United States is going in terms of your your ethnic makeup, age, et cetera. So it's kind of playing the longer game, but then again, you can't you can't just put a nice shiny sort of package on something and expect everything to be good.
0: I mean, it's also really hard to change the nature of something this big with this much history
1: yeah
0: right like you know we talked about aoc and other politicians using twitch and live stream a couple weeks ago and it's a little bit easier for them because they're you know they're individuals and Mm -hmm. they're coming into their job as a young person you know having been raised through a certain age but the cia as i imagine involves whole bunch of people with all kinds of backgrounds some of which are you know born much longer ago Mm -hmm. that's hard to shift right Mm -hmm. so we'll see how much actual change i mean i say we'll see i'm not actually i've never keep tabs on what the cia is doing but maybe i'll start following them on twitter graphic really made me laugh anything else you want to
1: add no that's everything should we move on
0: let's do it All right, both of us are blinking out.
1: All right, we're back. We're back. And we're only saying that because we actually broke for dinner.
0: For the first time, I think. We stopped. In the history. In the history of all these years of recording this podcast, we broke in the middle of an episode to eat a meal.
1: We had some weird Korean Chinese fusion food.
0: It was fine. It was good. It was acceptable. It was hot, which is nice considering that it's cold. Anyway, enough about eating. My subject this week is about public domain day. And this is a not an actual holiday, but it's January 1st of every year. And essentially, they've decided the first day of every year is when works that were copyrighted will have their copyrights expired after the, you know, designated duration of time. So, copyright law is pretty complicated.
1: Yeah, I think it'd be helpful if you explained Copyright relative to trademark. Yeah. There's a little
0: bit of nuance there. Okay, a lot of people I mean, like. I'm not the expert. Yeah, but just copyrights on a creative piece of work. Let's say piece of writing means that the creator, the author, can continue to get paid for that work. They can get royalties. They can do what they want with it, and no one else can unless they get permission from the creator and unless they pay a fee. Usually, I mean. No. The creator could give you free permission, technically. So what it means to enter the public domain. And right now we're speaking specifically about the United States, but copyright law exists in most countries. I just don't necessarily know the law everywhere. Entering the U.S. public domain means that these works are now free for all to use and to build upon without permission or fee. This happened to be a little bit of Internet news this year because the Great Gatsby is now part of the public domain.
1: Unfamiliar with it. You are. I know. What that they, can't be true. I've never watched it or seen it.
0: But you know what it is.
1: Isn't that the one, uh, when I think, when I personally think Great Gatsby, I think of Leonardo DiCaprio. Am well, I wrong? No, i not
0: wrong. You're not wrong. That's He's the, the only, star of that movie.
1: But the Great Gatsby is based off of something else.
0: The Great Gatsby is a novel exactly. written in 1925 by F. Scott Fitzgerald. But it's okay, that y- it's fine. I'm just saying that because it is one of the things that is from 1925, which is the year that this year those works are entering the public domain. Um, is the most famous, most widely known. Okay, and yeah, you have a question. No, I was continuing say, question.
1: And before Leonardo DiCaprio and The Great Gatsby, I knew of Gatsby as the Japanese hair product brand.
0: <laughs> that is really funny, actually. Yeah, a lot of people in my high school use that. So copyright protection terms are typically described as the life of the author plus a certain number of years. And for a long time in the States, it was 75 years after the death of the author from the date the work was created. Okay. But in 1998, the United States passed a law that extended it to 75 plus 20. I'm not sure if it was 70 plus 25. At any rate, The extension was to 95 years, which is why only 1925 works are entering the public domain now. And a lot of the discourse online says this is really unfortunate for just culture in general, because works from the 1920s, like besides the really famous ones like Great Gatsby, a lot of them get lost over time because they weren't preserved, essentially.
1: So the argument is that work that enters the public domain quicker becomes more ingrained within society and culture. Okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, exactly.
0: It. I mean, obviously it's not a for sure thing that that would happen to everything, but if it enters the public domain, there is the possibility that some other person is going to be attracted to it and will remake it or edit it or you uh, know, do something with it creatively. Cuz for me personally, I was
1: just thinking does it really make a difference cuz it doesn't prevent me from consuming something that's copyrighted, right? If, I'm, if yeah, I I yeah, want to yeah. go read this book But trying to understand what it means under the context of being in the public domain.
0: Yeah. And I mean, obviously, there is a lot of piracy that happens nowadays on the Internet. And a lot of people will take intellectual property and do what they want with it anyway and not ask for permission or pay the creator's fees. But there is an example from... God, I don't know. I have a couple tabs open, so I'm not sure who made this example. I want to say it is the Center for the Study of the Public Domain at Duke University, where I read this. You know the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, the Christmas movie?
1: Okay. No.
0: There is this Christmas movie that is relatively well known, except for apparently in this room, called It's a Wonderful Life. And one of the reasons why it's so popular today is because it entered the public domain earlier than it should have. Because the creators and the studio didn't maintain their copyright. And so back, I don't know, in the 70s, movie theaters would just show it for free because they could.
1: Oh, I understand now. Now now it's coming around. Yeah.
0: I mean, there's several different effects, right? One is that entities don't have to worry about paying anyone in order to use a work. So they could print loads of copies of books and give it away for free and wouldn't have to worry about penalty.
1: Yeah, based on that like
0: or individual creators can use works in creative ways independently.
1: So I could, I'm making this up, but I could take something like The Great Gatsby and just release a line of t-shirts that are inspired by the Great yeah.
0: Gatsby. Yeah, and no one is going to come for you. Like they can't legally cuz technically you could do that. <laughs> Eugene's like, put that on my to-do list. Yeah. So technically Great a Gatsby couple of years ago, line. whoever maintains the F. Scott Fitzgerald Foundation or you know, his works they could come for you they might not but they could but now they can't Mm -hmm. you can do whatever you want with it and like people who are big fans of the public domain that's what they really encourage which is one thing i really like about talking about public domain and why i picked it today because the goal is to promote creativity that you can just draw on anything freely is supposed to be i guess a gift i don't know a less cheesy way to put this but like you i think that you don't often work from like a blank slate you know what i mean yeah like you don't need to feel the pressure to just like draw from your head in a white room you can take from you're basically using
1: it as a foundation to iterate and to build off of yeah which makes sense yeah like i at first i was I was struggling to understand the argument here, but really you're just leveraging it. Because that's also an interesting thing too is that you know, I read this book called The Hitmakers, I think it's by Derek Thompson. Might have to fact check me on that, but in that book he basically talks about how things are made popular and a lot of times you do need to have something referential. So mm-hmm. in this case like The Great Gatsby could be the reference to open the door to another concept. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. And also there is an argument that entering the public domain actually extends work a work's legacy. Yes. That there are a lot of creators or distributors who are doing this in good faith, like aren't trying to make like they're not trying to make something derived from something that makes it look bad, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like actually they are making things because they like the original thing. And so it extends its lifeline. Because Part of the reason why copyright law was extended was because Disney and Gershwin, which Gershwin is a um, composer, they said, we want to c- control both the, you know, the royalties, like we want to be able to get money for a longer time and we want to control, you know, creativity. We don't want people making whatever they want yeah. from our work. And yeah. that's like the other side so- of the spectrum.
1: Ninety-five years is how long this your your
0: yeah currently in the states.
1: So even so, somebody from Disney.
0: There is some stuff from Disney
1: that is in the
0: public domain that has expired. I think like Steamboat Willie, yeah, possibly, which is one of the earliest things. Yeah, but Disney is when's
1: Mickey. Going to be I, in public domain. This
0: is where copyright law lo- is super complicated because I'm sure Disney's updating that every year. Yeah. Like they're never, ever going to let that go. Um, and in fact, I'm not even confident when I say Steamboat Willie because I'm sure there's expensive things they can do to maintain their copyright. And also, Disney is super litigious. So even if you were technically in the clear to make something, I'm sure that Disney would still crack down on you if they noticed.
1: All right. Steamboat Willie will not be in the public domain until January 1st, 2024. Oh. Superman, Batman, Snow White, and early Looney Tunes characters will be available between 2031
0: and 2035. Mm.
1: That's exciting. But for Mickey, you can use early incarnations of Mickey in the public domain, but... I assume with the updates every new incarnation might change yeah. and extend.
0: Yeah, I mean that's pretty interesting. There's obviously going to be famous creators who own really, you know, profitable work that will do whatever it takes to maintain their creative control. But you know, I was in my reading for this, it says like 90% of creators aren't those people and so that work like after the creator passes away like just goes away and that's really a loss that could be recuperated if we didn't have like such extensive copyright times
1: yeah i'm just going off this article where i just gave you those stats it's an Ars technica piece and it said that most copyrighted works become commercially worthless within a decade or two but a small minority might still generate revenue so like something popular in the 20s and 30s might still generate significant revenue in 1990s.
0: Yes. However,
1: I'm now thinking that this era of Mickey Mouse, we're just going to fall into the same issue like in 95 years from now, what's really going to be that popular? That's going to be universally accepted and known. Like who is the next Mickey Mouse iteration? I think that there it's
0: yeah, tough to say, right? It is, it's really tough to I mean, say.
1: it was tough to say if something in the 30s was gonna be popular 90 years ago. And later. also
0: there's so much stuff now exactly. compared to, I mean, yes, obviously, like there were a lot of authors back then too, but definitely even more at this moment. I'm I'm reading so I've been mostly referencing from Duke and then the Smithsonian. And the Smithsonian wrote something similar to the set you read. The Library of Congress estimates that 80 to 90% of films made before 1920 disappeared by 2002 because the material physically disintegrated. Like it couldn't even be preserved. And then it disappeared even before its copyright expired. So no one could do the effort of saving it. Whereas right now, there are systems also because of the internet. Where, for example, the internet archive will now Every year, they add all the new books and movies and music to its online library. Google Books will offer the full text of those books for free because they know that they're part of the public domain Mm -hmm. now. So we have those like resources. Also, in comedic stuff, on Reddit slash across the internet, there are a lot of people that are asking for a Muppet version of The Great Gatsby. I don't really know why. I don't know the origin of this interest. But not a small number of people
1: but have clamored yeah.
0: so to in, ask the Muppets to do this. In general,
1: who is it that created the Great Fitzgerald. Gatsby? Fitzgerald. So essentially, had he set up like a, a trust or whatever, he would still be able to collect money off the Great Gatsby.
0: No. Not after, not it, expired. Not yeah. after
1: it expired. Not after expired. So, let's oh yeah, say, up
0: until yeah. January 1st, 2021. I mean, let's say he was. I'm sure died. someone was.
1: Yeah. Like had he died 50 years ago and then, you know, with that 50 yeah, year period yeah, yeah, yeah. of.
0: Yeah, yeah, income generation. Yeah, yeah. Someone so now was, it's
1: over, basically. Yes. Got it. Okay. Makes Someone
0: sense, definitely got money for the movie, too. I did not look this up, but oh, yeah, I know for yeah. sure that they had to get permission to use that material yeah. as a source material.
1: Got it.
0: I feel like it's worth mentioning that there are many, many, many more works that have entered the public domain besides The Great Gatsby. That is not the only singular book. There's also works by Virginia Woolf and Hemingway and Kafka. A lot of people are saying that there's plenty of very well-regarded books and music and movies that are worth checking out. So not like people needed more things to consume necessarily, Mm -hmm. but I think it's nice to know that, I think the lack of the economic barrier
1: can be significant
0: too. Yeah. So like, if you're a middle schooler, you can do all this stuff.
1: Or if you're in a smaller market, A super small market, or you have a great passion for something and you want to commercialize something. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, let's say you're in a suburb in the States and you want to hold a play for your town. You can pick from all of this material Mm. and be totally safe. Again, not like I really think anyone would have necessarily sued you. yeah. Yeah. But the point is that it's above board.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good place to cap things off today.
0: Yeah. If you are interested in hearing more about Macon, reading and listening to some of our stories focused on the sights and sounds of creative culture, you can visit us at Macon.com. M-A-E-K-A-N.com.
1: You can also subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and platforms. If you like this podcast, you can do us a huge favor by sharing this podcast with a friend or supporting us via Patreon.com slash Macon.
0: Also, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email myself at Sharice at com, C-H-A-R-I-S, or Eugene at Eugene at Makin.com. We love hearing from you.
1: I'm a very tired Eugene.
0: <laughs> I'm Sharice. And this is Making It Up.